welcome to uh, Hello. Punch, Punch Drunk uh, Boxing Podcast. Up to episode 8 with uh, my good self, Garrett Mokler. Oh, the thought it, mate? Episode 8? Lord's <laughs> episode. Myself, Garrett Mokler, and uh, my good friend, Richard Mills. And uh, so, yeah, two big boxing enthusiasts and Sam Miguel Horker fans. Ah, oh, love a bit of Sam Miguel. The golden, golden nectar. But yeah, two big boxing fans love boxing and talking nonsense. So, uh, all you regular listeners, welcome back. And to all you new fellas... Boom, get on Enjoy. it. Enjoy. Enjoy. We're going to crack straight on with a bit of news. There's a lot of good, a lot of good fights have been oh, made. Yeah. I mean, particularly in the last couple of weeks, but overall, the past couple of months, I mean, you look forward to the next, for the rest of this year. Especially it's, for, I'll tell you, especially for British boxing. A couple of absolute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Should yeah, fantastic. Straight ones. into the old, let's go into Frotch and Grovesy. Go on. Right, let's get into that. It's been made and it's been confirmed and I'm... I'm happy about it, actually. Uh, um, I wouldn't be all that happy if I was... Oh, it depends how you look at it. Okay. So, um, obviously, Groves is going to be going in as a massive underdog because Carl Frotch has been fighting the best fighters in the year. Sorry, yeah. the best fighters in the world for the last five years. George Groves, what is he now? He's like 20-0 or something. Or 18 a bit and more. He's... And, um, Maybe, yeah. But there's... It's such a massive step up. It's exactly the same as when Carl Frotch was coming up and just getting into, like, big in the scene. And he was... Tartar called night Joe Calzaghi, and Calzaghi just didn't take it for monetary reasons. He wanted to fight bigger guys, bigger names. Yeah. But uh, in this case, Frotch has taken it. I love him for that, and it's... Well, and i I got to say, you've got to love Grossi for doing it. He must know. He must know that he's stepping up big time. And yeah. He wants a challenge. He wants that test, and I just think it's brilliant. And as if he puts in a good performance, I'm just going to do him any harm, even if he loses. If he can go the distance, or if he can mm-hmm. go in there and give... And to quote Andre Ward... Carl Frotch, he's wide open. <laughs> Hands down. And and I also think Carl Frotch, definitely one of the best British fighters. I do yep. love him. He's brilliant. Hasn't got the best PR <laughs> strategy. But I do, not, I not do genuinely think he, he thinks he's a little bit better than he actually is. And he is amazing, but I do think he's going to be really... He's going to be underestimating Groves. That bit I kind of disagree with. And I think that is what could add... I still think Frotch is probably going to win, but I don't... I've heard some people say Groves doesn't stand a chance, and I do not agree with that. I think... I'll put it this way. I think Carl Frotch probably thinks he's the second best super middleweight on the planet. I don't really believe he thinks he's as good as Andre Ward. And that's pretty much exactly where he's at. But the gap between him and... Yeah, but then again, how like do you know? You haven't, seen, you haven't seen Groves... You never know, you might fight Andre Ward. <laughs> Bash him out, you know? <laughs> Get me! No, um... But uh, we'll go on to like, a, a bit of the other uh, news. So um, I'll run through a couple of these um, fairly quickly. Yeah. So um, Olympic uh, gold medalist Anthony Joshua, turning oh, professional. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I think that's on... Um... For the uh, matchroom with Eddie Hearn. Yeah. And uh, who else made it in the last couple of weeks? We had, um, again, another uh, Olympic gold medalist, Luke Campbell. What yeah. destroyed, basically, the durable... Andrew Harris, I think he had a record like 6-2, and two, in first round, who's fighting up in a uh, hull on the uh, Culbrook undercard. Just took him apart straight away, so best of luck to uh, Luke Campbell. Uh, but uh, there was other couple of fights we we're going to talk about in the last couple of weeks, which are called off. Yeah. Carl um, Frampton, so bantamweight contender, yeah. he's got a record of 16-0, had to pull out of his uh, fight on Saturday the 20th of July. <laughs> what I heard was he wanted to go ahead. He had an ear, ear injury. Yeah. wanted to go ahead, but the British Board of Boxing Control just said... Nah, that's you can't fight with a broken ear. Right? No, went half deaf. But um, we we're also going to talk about uh, Aisha Smith on the last show. Oh yeah, and again, same thing. You had a cut over his right eye, 
after like a weekend sparring session. So his fight against Carlos Molina, who uh, Amir Khan beat a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. But um, that one had to be uh, postponed, so that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. I'll just quickly mention, I want to mention the other big fights have been made, more for uh, on the world boxing scene. We, okay. we know there's a lot of good British fights being made, but massive, in the past couple of weeks they've been confirmed. On the Mayweather uh, Alvarez on the card, mm-hmm. we've got Lucas Matisse find Danny Garcia. Oh, massive. Two. And my money's on, on Matisse. I'll go over this and over. You know... You know, you, I, you know, I, Danny, slagging Danny, off mate, Danny Garcia for no good never going to listen. Danny, mate, you're overrated. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You're strong. You've got a lot of heart. And I like you. You're a very good average all-rounder. Your but, dad's amazing. But, oh, your dad's a fucking liar. <laughs> that a lunatic. i got sympathy for you with a crazy dad like that. But listen, I just think Matisse has a little bit too much, has a little more power than him. Yeah, and I just think in in a lot of areas, Matisse is just that little bit stronger, and the styles they don't have. They both kind of quite aggressive box. I don't think Garcia is the kind of guy who can go on the outside and dance rings around no. the box. He doesn't have amazing footwork. He doesn't have that real slick defense. It's just gloves up with the sun. Nothing wrong. He's got a good mm-hmm. solid guard, but I think when you look at that style, for me, it's like when Matisse fought Peterson. You looked at that yeah. and you were like. It's just clearly come down. One guy is stronger and he's a bit Always tougher. Always have the advantage. And with the styles that they have, it's just there's only ever going to be one winner. I guess for people um, who don't know, I'll tell you that. Lucas uh, Matisse, his record is 34-2. Uh, and two. So um, so 34 wins, two losses. He's got a very good knockout race. 32 knockouts yeah, out of 34 wins. not quite Marcus Madonna, but... It's pretty, it's got, pretty, pretty, darn, pretty darn good. And uh, again, Danny Garcia is undefeated, so that would be for the linear uh, junior welterweight And title. also, on the undercard, we've got uh, Austin Trout against uh, Lara, which it's... will be... That's, that's a, that is a crazy good... Card of, and yeah. apparently, um, there's also massive rumours about uh, Marcus Medana versus Adrian Broner. We talked about this a little bit on the last oh, yeah, we thing, did. but... Um, Maydonna was calling him out on Twitter, just saying, "Where are you, mate? Exactly. Yeah, this fight get it on." But uh, boom. Let me. I'll, I'll oh, tell, um, there's also just got made. I think today or, or yesterday, Mike Malhai Alvarado is oh, fighting nice. the Russian machine, Ruslan Provodkinov. Now, uh, if anybody saw the Provodkinov versus Bradley fight, or rather, if you didn't see it, get on YouTube and watch that because that is one of the most vicious men up against a man who. I don't know what he eats because <laughs> right Tim Bradley might well Tim be Bradley the world's toughest might man have because the most he took, heart I've ever seen he took such an incredible pounding and just came back and his boxing skills were unreal concussed after about round two and still managed <laughs> to get a twelve round decision absolutely won the fight of the year that thing was that so but that fight's been made and I think that would be a great fight because as Alvarado proved he can tear it up with someone like Bam Bam Rios who, yeah. who I feel is in a similar, certainly a similar style and similar, I, I don't know, that Provodkinov looked like he had more power. He looks more, yeah. even that little step up from uh, uh, from Rios. But um, as we proved, uh, Alvarado's an amazing boxer. Mm-hmm. He's also real tough and can tear it up. So that'll be a great, great fight. Um, I was going to say, the, one of the others, for the kind of last of the uh, British boxing news, Scott Quigg. Is going to be coming up for the uh, vacant WBA Super Bantamweight title later on this year. I don't know what the date is, but um, Scott Quigg is unbeaten, so 26 and he's got one draw against uh, Urandis Salinas, who's uh, 20, 21 over 13 knockouts. Yeah. But um, again, big step up and chance for a world title, which would be that would be brilliant. Yeah. The other the other couple of things I want to mention is uh, 
Uh, Miguel Cotto is stepping back into the ring. Yeah, against somebody delving the Jaguar Rodriguez from. Dominican. I like the name. Yeah, <laughs> given that. Not not too sure about the opponent, but from uh, Dominican Republic, and uh, yeah, not exactly the uh, the cream de la cream <laughs> boxing, <laughs> but perhaps uh, perhaps Cotto just needs to work out if he still wants to uh, be in the sport, you know. And finally, apparently Tony Thompson has been offered big money to have a fight with Tyson Fury's cousin. Huey Fury, who actually, I've seen a few of his fights, he looks really, I mean really good. I listened, to an, in, that... I listened to an interview with him today on the uh, Steve Bond's boxing show. He sounds so much like his <laughs> cousin, it's yeah. unreal. They're pretty much like the same person. But, um... but he's, he's had eight fights, I mean all sort of short, like four rounders and mm. things, but he's won them all in the past like four months. So he's, he's only turned professional like four months ago. Mm. Personally, you know, I would quite, I'd be interested in seeing the fight, Tony Thompson, oh, yeah. but I just think, if I was his manager, I wouldn't be wanting to put him in there. That's that's a little, that's too big a leap. It doesn't matter how good you look. If you haven't even gone like a, an eight or a ten round fight and you're stepping in with a professional, it's kind of a bit disrespectful. A top, a top ten to even offer Tony Thompson, who's just you know destroyed. All right, you can go on about David Price's chin, but let's not forget. Up until he fought Tony Thompson, he was being billed as a future world champion hmm. and one of the biggest prospects in England. So. I think that's slightly disrespectful to Tony Thompson to start going on with that. But all I would say is to Huey Fury, looks really good. You compare him with other heavyweights of that age mm-hmm. and that, and I just think, take it easy. No need to jump into those sorts of waters just yet. If he does, I'll take my hat off. <laughs> that's the kind of attitude I like in a boxer. But, I wouldn't say know. it's disrespectful as much as... I mean, it's, well, a, big, it's a big ask and it's very brave. Yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah. anyway, yeah. I think okay. Yo, so into uh, the next part of the show, and um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a friend of the show, Roberto Duran. Hello, Sam Miguel. You are right, right, <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, Roberto Duran and um, him, how he won his uh, lightweight title, but his uh, fight oh, against, against Ken Buchanan. Exactly, the Scotsman Ken Buchanan. I mean, he was he was easily winning it on the cards anyway. Oh yeah, pretty much. But um, not, e- uh, not easily. <laughs> and uh, anyway. Uh, Duran punched Buchanan in the balls and just <clears throat> won the fight after that. You kind of just cut and recover. Yeah, but it was quite late on, wasn't it? It was like the 12th round. No, it was, 15. It was like seven. <laughs> just definitely double, yeah, yeah. It was definitely double figured round. I it was definitely late on. It was like round 11 or something. It was. But uh, in any case, that, um, so during the week, I started going on and looking for the, like, the greatest low blows in boxing history. So I'll give you two, which are like the big famous ones, and then one, which is the pick of the bunch. Garrett showed me this the other day. It is absolutely ridiculous. So uh, the first one, so I'll do this in like number three, ding, 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 number three coming down. Evander Holyfield, when he fought Michael Dynamite Dokes. Oh, yeah. So a uh, heavyweight contest. And um, this one, they basically fought like nine competitive rounds. Like real vicious until uh, Dokes was finally knocked out in the tenth. But before uh, Holyfield won his uh, knockout, he dished out like a couple of brutal blow bows. He loved a headbutt, didn't he? I've never seen anyone. I've literally never seen anyone else do this in boxing. But Holyfield, maybe around two or three, he comes up and he does a <laughs> he ducks down and comes up. He does a headbutt low blow combination. Oh. One of the, <laughs> look this up on YouTube. Just type it in. One of the worst things I've ever seen. Literally, he catches, as he catches them with his top of his head, right underneath the chin, comes up with a massive right and boom! <laughs> just crunches. And yeah. Dokes is... Oh, he just... How he came back is a mystery. I don't know how... I mean, Holyfield, he is... He's loved in America, isn't he? They oh, yeah. talk about him like massive. And he's 
great, great fight. Oh, complete. He was one of the dirtiest motherfuckers <laughs> I've ever seen in boxing. Something that rarely gets mentioned when mentioning. And I don't mean dirty just in the ring. That guy was a filthy motherfucker outside <laughs> the ring. That guy has kids everywhere. He really does. And he admits to it. Oh, well, He's he... really religious, except when it comes to holding up his marital vows. Well, he's only man. You know? He's only man. But uh, right, number two. And uh, this is like maybe like the most famous of all, but it's uh, Riddick Bowe versus uh, Andrew Galotta in oh, their rematch. Andrew Galotta. So uh, again, for no one who's seen this, Andrew Galotta is he is a strange cat at the best dubbed, of times. Dubbed the human octopus, man. <laughs> After his, I've never seen a man who's who's been disqualified for punching in the ball so much. <laughs> but uh, this one, so the fight was brutal, pretty much from start to finish. And you'd almost, the first one was called off after, um, again, Glotta was points deducted in the first one for low blows. The sec, which ended in a riot in the first match. Anyway, they have a rematch. Second one, Glotta's, there's a chance that he's like winning on the scorecards. And it oh, comes yeah. up to round uh, 10. And Glotta, his mind just goes. He suddenly decides, like they're both standing there bloody and, bloody and bleeding. And he decides, oh, I just can't take the pressure. I can't, I, the chance of me achieve my life dream is not something I want. And just one <laughs> three punch combination and again Riddick Bow straight in the ground just barely able to breathe he, and Galata is just that's, that's just who I am he did exactly he did a very similar thing with Lennox Lewis when he fought against him yeah. he was in a, a, a fairly close fight which I think you know he certainly from his point of view must have felt like he was in with a chance and just I'm just going to low blow myself out of this fight because I don't want to be in it anymore <laughs> just unreal but the number one and definitely you're going to have to go on uh, YouTube and look this up so it's um, Milan Melindo and uh, I'm going to talk about him a bit later on in the show when we're doing the uh, previews but he fought a guy called Juan Esker so the Esker is E-S-Q-U-E-R look up Melindo versus Esker on YouTube and I showed this to Rich earlier on. It might be the least Mexican thing I've ever seen from a fighter. <laughs> from a scare. Melindo, again, lands a low blow and Esker gets hit in the balls. He then does an odd He does. I've, I've, he drops to the floor and rolls around like, in, like he's been <laughs> shot and then electrocuted on the floor for, for a good two to three minutes oh, yeah. at least. And proper just arms flailing and kicking. Like I've seen... Spanish and Italian footballers diving and running around <laughs> on the floor. Nothing on this And had a lot more dignity about it. There's two of my favourite bits. So the first one is, after Melinda uh, hits him, <laughs> he walks in, obviously the referee puts him back in the corner and says, we'll give your man a couple of minutes to get better. After a minute of the Esker rolling around the ground, Melinda and the referee just looking at each other like, going, this guy is out of his fucking is, mind. What is he doing? <laughs> that's, that's not my favourite bit. My favourite bit is, so it's about 90 seconds in, literally he's still rolling around the ground, and Esker then starts, you know, like, um, like an SAS crawl. Like yeah, when you yeah, go on your yeah. belly, he starts doing that to one side yes. of the ring. And he tries, I think I, when I watched it, on about three occasions, he tries to stand up, like, or goes to get on his knees and things, and then falls on the floor and starts rolling around, flailing his arms. I say, not since like, the legendary Hulk Hogan have I seen a man better at that. <laughs> vicious, vicious beings. Oh, but man. that's number one. Look that up on YouTube, and, it is. Unreal. And there's a ridiculous end to the fight because uh, later on he gets punched in the chest, right? He's clearly losing the fight. No, this is the best bit. He punches the other guy mm. with a low blow, right? And then 
the referee is about to step in and say, look, you've just done a low blow. Mm. So, and then the other guy lands a shot on his chest and it hits him clearly on his chest. He falls to the ground holding his crotch again. <laughs> and at that stage, the referee just... No, this is the best bit. At that stage, his own corner walk away from the ring. <laughs> and... As you'd expect from a Mexican corner, they're like, no, I'm not having any of this. This is just an absolute <laughs> disgrace. You're embarrassing a nation. And he gets up and he looks at them and he goes down to the ring and goes, where are you guys going? And they're like, well, you are absolutely done, done mate. Okay, game over is on. But uh, anyway, yeah, great yeah. slow blows to Love it. Brilliant. So uh, in the next part of the show, what we'd like to do is uh, review the past couple of weeks' action. So uh, the one we're going to start off with was uh, 12 rounds in the light heavyweight division in Monte Carlo, and this was Edwin Rodriguez versus Dennis, uh, Dennis Grachev. And just to give like a bit of a I'd, background. Yeah, I'll just say, I'll quickly mention their, um, their, their nicknames. It was, on the, it was on the 13th of July, wasn't it? It was Edwin La Bomba Rodriguez nice. and uh, Dennis uh, the Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the Pirate Drago's son. Gratchev. Really? Yeah, Drago's son. Oh, and I yeah. have to say, the name didn't really, didn't really fit. <laughs> if you're going to compare a steroid-taking super machine Russian from a Rocky fictional four. Rocky Four and call yourself his son, then you kind of you got to expect to... He's a tough guy, but uh, he ain't that tough. Let me think, what would be... I, we, we love a good name. Uh, what would be... I'll go for Garrett the Negotiator Mokler. Negotiator. Nice. I'll just calm it down in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Start chatting to the referee about, oh, is this really what we need to do for a living? Maybe there's yeah. easier ways, better ways. I think they said, I think, I mean, there needs to be more complicated. I mean, personally, I'd go for Richard, just give me one more round milk. <laughs> God needs loves a, a trier. Needs to have, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was called the Million Dollar Monte Carlo Super Four, wasn't it? Was yeah. it? I'm assuming was there a million dollars prize? Basically, the way they split it up is the winner of the million dollars was a 60-40 split in the uh, final. Like a poker tournament, but, that, isn't it? A, a fantastic payday uh, though for the like the pair. Oh, massive! I'd imagine one of the best for their careers. But uh, to give you like a bit of background, so Rodriguez is stepping up from super middleweight, where I think he's ranked number nine. He's he's ranked higher than that. Yeah. in a lot of them. He's ranked up like in in some of the like. Varies, doesn't it? But mm. if you go to like WBA and things, he's up in like third. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's a good, good Looked fighter. real impressive. But his uh, record is uh, 24 wins, 16 knockouts, no losses. And um, anyway, the, let me just say about uh, Grouchev. Grouchev. So his record Grouchev. was 13 wins, just one loss, but one draw. And um, basically, he was a Russian boxer, but he was like a. Previously, he was a kickboxer, mixed uh, martial artist, and he was like a Muay Thai. Uh, world like cruiserweight champion. It's like a real, yeah, yeah. It's t- like a tough Russian. But um, what do you think? Because it was well. Firstly, one of my favourite points is which I think you, you rarely get this in fights these days, and I would love to hear more of it. And that's that there were South African uh, commentators, <laughs> right? And I just something I just the South African voice, especially. Just commentating on anything is brilliant <laughs> because it sends chills up the back of your spine. You're just on alert immediately. Okay, so for, uh, let me just um, <laughs> a bit of background. So it's in Monte Carlo. The king of Monte Carlo is like sitting in the crowd, big uh, kind of celebrity audience or whatever else. And you just got two South Africans going, oh, great body shot there. He's <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> oh, uh, look, down goes Dennis Grouchy. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I suppose, uh, Rodriguez wins it in the first round. 
just it completely blows me out of the water. It is some of the worst refereeing that I have <laughs> ever seen. So, Gratchev, again, he's a real tough guy, but his boxing skill is nothing compared to Edwin Rodriguez. Rodriguez knocks him down within maybe like a minute, just unloading power he's, shots. You say he's a real tough guy. You wouldn't know it from that fight. Oh, he's, oh maybe, but I don't know. He's <laughs> tough enough. Anyway, Rodriguez knocks him down. The referee... Anyway, Gratchev falls on the ground. Yeah, yeah. The referee comes over. He starts counting like one, two. Looks at him about count five and realizes this guy ain't getting up. <laughs> so he does what no other referee does and just picks him up. Literally puts his arm around his thing under his arm. Gets him back up on his feet. And he's like, "Go on, Sancho, don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine." <laughs> Gratchev is completely out on his feet. He comes out and within another thirty seconds, Rodriguez comes over. Bang. Smashes him down. This time he's really gone. His feet are gone. He can't. He can barely see. <laughs> referee looks at him again and goes. Don't worry about it. You're, you're in this champ. Come on, you got plenty of time. Picks him up by the arm, stands him up on his feet, doesn't even bother counting to eight. Looks at him and goes, Yeah, you're fine, mate. Go on, get back That's out the there, Tiger. support you want in a referee. <laughs> as, you, as you might imagine, Rodriguez comes over and there's finally the referee. Off. Yeah, finally the referee can't pick him back up anymore. Yeah, but I don't really want a death on your hands. <laughs> not really. But And I'd say the reason that's quite such horrible refereeing the reason they did that is because they're in Monte Carlo and because there's a million dollars on the line and they want that fight to last longer than the minute it should have done or as they got dodgy Russian oligarchs uh, in there and they bribed the ref and the ref's thinking I'll help him up (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe he's Drago's son maybe he'll dig deep and pull something out he would have to be digging very deep I have to say the South African commentators didn't pick up on that (laughs) (laughs) too busy uh, talking about how much Edwin Rodriguez looked like a robot look at the way he's hitting him (laughs) brilliant brilliant commentary Um, okay the next fight I want to quickly talk about is um, Robert Stieglitz he fought a guy called uh, Yuzo Kiyota Mm -hmm. Japanese, I'm assuming. I didn't look that up, but from the name. Yeah. You've got to be Japanese, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, no, don't no, get no, no. Like that. Don't get that many Zs and Ys and Ks in your name <laughs> if you don't come from the land of the rising sun. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, this is on the 13th. <laughs> 13th of July, Dresden, Germany. That's a real fighting city, though. I've been to Dresden. Great place. Um, mm. Anyway, it was for Robert's WBO super middleweight title. Now, it's an interesting fight because I was looking at this before the Groves and Frotch fight got confirmed. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I know Rodriguez stepped up for that fight, but he's ranked in the mostly in the super middleweight yeah. um, division, quite high up. And same with Robert Stieglitz has got like the I think it's the WBO which is was on the line. Yeah. It's WBO super middleweight title. I think Ring Magazine might have Stieglitz on number five. Yeah. So I was thinking. You know, rather than Groves going right to the top, fighting one of like Kessler, yeah. Froch, Andre Ward as a top three, you know, why why doesn't he uh, perhaps go for someone like Stieglitz, who would be a still a big step up, a big mm-hmm. challenge, or Rodriguez? That'd be a great fight. He'd be he'd be right in there, be a, a brilliant test. But anyway, that's neither here nor there anymore. Money, 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 money. Yeah, you get you you definitely get a lot more money with the old Froch, yeah. and you know, I don't think he'll he'll come out of it. Um, even if he loses it will still do him good anyway now I want to get into this because basically this fight was stopped in the 10th round due to a cut on Kyoto's eye left eye Mm -hmm. Um, it got it was put as a technical decision it went to the cards Mm -hmm. Um, it later got reversed like a few days later to a TKO win but if if anybody watches this fight you'll notice that basically Robert Stieglitz he he adopts this approach, which is basically 
to throw one or two punches, lunging in, throwing his whole body weight in, throws one or two punches, and then immediately goes into a clinch. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about doing this, you know, (laughs) even Bernard Hopkins, Andre Ward, people like that have done it, you know, you could argue excessively. And it's some people frustrating. This Stieglitz, he's taken it to another level. (laughs) I'm talking, I'm not even kidding, I'm talking about 15 to 20 times every round. That's a lot of clinching. And it was just, it is frustrating, horrible, not only for me, but surely for the opponent, and you've got to take your hat off. To, I mean, Kyoto, I didn't give him many rounds. Mm-hmm. It was stopped in the 10th. Tough work, took some big shots, but I want to bring this fight up just because it's literally, it's horrible, the clinching in there. And I want to talk about why referees don't aren't stricter on it. Why, when you get a fight like this, why don't they say to you, look, this is ridiculous, we're here to fight. It's not a fucking wrestling match. You're yeah. not going... It's, it's a massive tactical advantage to just lunge your body in carelessly and then clinch. That stops the other guy countering yeah, when you're all off balance and things. And when you're doing it that excessively, I think points should be deducted. You should be... The referee should be taking points away and should be warning if you continue to do this, you're going to get disqualified. Yeah. I suppose what we would say is... It's, I mean, those are the rules that excessive holding does. They just never... It's just never enforced. Yeah. And it's, it's for me, it's ridiculous... Don't get me wrong, if you're hurt, I love a guy who <laughs> clinch. And I think clinching is a key point. We criticised David Price last last show for mm-hmm. not un- even Knowing. understanding the basics, not even being able to get in a clinch when you're hurt and buying those crucial points. You know, it is a key part of the yeah. sport. But to do it that excessively, it just, you know... Ruth holds back. Yeah, it just, it just makes me sick. So I just, I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw the fight. No, or, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, I mean... It was, it was, it was frustrating, but yeah. But a, a better one. Uh, should we move on to? We'll go on to Kelbrook. Yeah. So this was in on Saturday, the thirteenth of July. A rematch with Carson Jones, a but rematch. at a higher weight level. Yeah. So it was uh, ten rounds. Uh, technically, still like the welterweight division, I guess, but fighting up in Hull. So this was the big uh, fight up in Hull on um, Saturday, uh, last Saturday night. So a uh, welterweight contender, Kelbrook, stepped up in weight. From 147 pounds up to like 150. 152. 152, yeah. 152. And um, Kelbrook's record is uh, 30 wins with no losses, 20 KOs, and he's 27 got, years old. 20, yeah, still young. Looked fantastic, basically. But Good. coming up against Carson Jones, and his record is like 35, and uh, wins and 10 losses. It was a really, really dominating performance from Kelbrook, and mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you'd watched the first. It was kind of a moment in it. Basically, like the first four rounds, it was just. It felt like the fighters were in a different league. Different leagues. Yeah. Totally different leagues. Kelbrook was seemingly slipping and dodging, blocking almost everything Carson mm-hmm. Jones threw. He was landing at will, straight one, two, left, right combinations, breaking the guard, snapping the head back, just throwing four, five punch combinations mm. and landing them all. You know, just looked, looked amazing. And it, it did. It looked like, you know, you're looking at it and you're thinking, this is this is an impressive fighter, Kelbrook, really stepping up. I know you've been critical saying he's overrated in the past. I mean, but... let me um, just quickly, I suppose. But um, when I say that Kelbrook is overrated, because in this fight he looked absolutely amazing, looked in fantastic condition. I heard an interview with him <clears> where he said, "Listen, I didn't feel as sharp. I, I didn't think my punches were 
carried any extra power. I just felt like a bit slow and at this level, is that yeah. what you said? Oh, With okay. extra couple of pounds. I mean, he looked like a superstar. But when I say he's overrated, I mean, he's literally, his rating is too high for the colour opponents he's fought. Yeah, possibly. Which, yeah. depending on how you look at it, you might say, well, there's... It's a tricky one, the rating system, though, isn't yeah. it? Do you... Are you only basing it on who you've fought and who you've beaten, or should it come into potential, you know, potential, the age, the, the 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 performance you've delivered in yeah. the ring? You know, there's there's different angles, and obviously different governing bodies, you know, it's a, evaluate it's, it differently. It's a, and it's a murky yeah, business. It's a murky business. <laughs> I'd say for anyone who um, hasn't seen that, I suppose that um, basically Carson Jones got stopped in round eight. So after Kelber completely dominating, he won pretty much every round. Yeah, Jones the is, only... he's tough. He is tough. Because he took a beating around like two or three and it looked like it might have been stopped. Yeah. But he came back anyway. The thing is, I want to mention, like, as I say, round the first four rounds, just leagues, leagues apart. It looked yeah. ridiculous. And if you watch the first fight between the two, Kel, I mean, it wasn't as dominating, but Kelbrook looked very good early on. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, Carson Jones, round about round five, started coming back into it. And Kelbrook seemed to, like, I think he... he he broke his nose or, or got bloody, but mm-hmm. really the power thing just swung. And oh, wow. it was maybe a little bit later, not round five, but a little bit later, but there was a real momentum shift. And in this fight, late in round five, Carson Jones did a bit of good work. And then round six and seven, it really balanced out. And it started started evening up and you're suddenly like, oh, hang on. I mean, Kelbrook was still probably just taking around, mm-hmm. so it was very even. But you were looking at it, it wasn't, there was a massive change in the fight and you started to think hang on is this going to go like the other fight is it suddenly yeah. is there something in Kell Brook where when a fighter starts putting in good pressure and work and really really applies pressure is there something in Kell Brook's head where you know he's not able to deal with it but or he you fi- know, should have finished it earlier maybe and then well if, he, if you've given your best shots and you've had a real dominating performance and the guy is still there I don't know I think maybe perhaps a, a lapse in concentration when you dominate that much and you land the shots you do. It's it's a credit to Jones how tough he is and how yeah. he came back into it. Maybe you know it's just it's maybe just a little flag, a little warning for Kelbrook mm-hmm. to to maintain his focus at all times in a fight and to to maybe work on a really pressuring fighter because I mean he looked. At, oh, what I would at say is he looked, he looked brilliant moving around, but other times he looked like he would kind of get caught on the ropes late on in round six and seven, mm-hmm. and he maybe needs to work on that a little bit. Uh, we're going to move on to the Derek Chisora Malik Scott. Yeah, just on Saturday the 20th of July, so this was, again, 10 rounds. I don't know why they're fighting 10 rounds as opposed to 12. Like, I don't know why Chisora took that, because surely he's in the driving seat for that. It was, on, it was over in his hometown. 12 rounds, I think, favours him. Scott's never been. I don't think. I don't think he's ever been. No, no, I'm sure. I think he has. But um, anyway, Once, so, maybe Delboy's more experienced. Delboy's. It's in his favour. Scott is the boxer. And yeah. So uh, to give a bit uh, background, I suppose. So uh, this was ten rounds, heavyweight division fight in London, and um, so this is a uh, Scott, who, Malik Scott. His record was uh, thirty-five victories with um, just one loss and a couple of. He's not. The, he doesn't have the greatest power. Only like twelve KOs. Very Quite slick. Chisora, he's only boxer. ever had like 21 fights. You forget how few he's had because his last five have been against such top quality opponents. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's a big step up for Scott yeah. Yeah. in terms of but, class. Well, yeah, it is. But at the same time, you look, it's the right step up for him, I think. And it was, for my money, it was a proper 50 50 fight, this. It was like, is. I don't think Scott's ever fought anybody as good as Chisora. I think Scott had underrested. I think I think Chisora's underrated. I think his record, because 
One of my favourite aspects about him is the fact that he's, he doesn't want easy fights. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. He's not bothered about building up a paper record. He wants to fight the best people out there. He's not interested in this. And <laughs> I, think, I think it's refreshing for the sport because there's too much emphasis on the minute a fight gets a loss, people start armchair fans start running him off mm. and it's, it's fucking bullshit you look at the calibre of people Chisora's fought even when he's lost against Hay you look at the performance he put in mm -hmm. the one when he lost against fucking what's his Literally. name Hellanius oh, he no. won that fight he so did that's it. bollocks that's out of the water anyway <laughs> before I go into this I just want to go into um, Del Boy I listened to oh, a yeah. radio right this is a radio interview a couple of weeks before the fight and it was uh, with Scott and Chisora. And basically, Ma Malik goes into this whole thing of like about how tough he is. And he starts saying, You can't intimidate me. I'm from North Philly, man. This shit you're talking about, it don't fly with me. I'm from North Philly. And Chisora just pauses when he jumps in. He goes, uh, What's that? Where, where are you from? And uh, there's a pause. And he goes, where, where are you from, Malik? And then silence. And Malik's just pausing, thinking, like, he, he heard me, right? <laughs> and then Delwood goes, hey, no, listen, listen, tell me, where are you from? And Malik goes, I'm from North Philly, man. I'm blah, 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 blah. And Delvoy just cuts straight in and goes, listen, mate, I live in Hampstead Garden suburb. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, we don't, we don't get none of that round there, trust me. He goes, he goes Hampstead Garden suburb, it's a nice neighbourhood. We don't get none of them drive-bys or nothing. <laughs> He goes, we leave our keys in the cars and we wake up, the cars are still there the next day. It's all gravy, man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's that good. Brilliant. That's funny. But, um, so, I, I, just, for, I had to open up with that. But, for anyone um, who hasn't, um, like, maybe for anyone who hasn't seen it, but um, Chisora, he's like that bobbing bruiser. You know, like yeah. head movement, shoulders come up. you always liken him to a poor man's Joe Frazier. A very poor man's <laughs> Joe Frazier. But, um, uh, like, he's Scott for his part. It's like lanky, jabbing uh, American. It was very, a, amazing jab for a heavyweight. Like, throws, very good jab. Throws 20-odd jabs around. You'd agree that lands, it, rather. it was a bit of an ugly fight. It wasn't the greatest uh, um, show. I don't know. Do you know what? I mean, listen, anybody who's seen it will know. It had a bizarre, a bit of a controversial, bizarre ending yeah. to what was, in my mind, a good cagey fight. I'd tell you, as I was watching it, I kind of had, I, t I gave Del Boy the first round. And then after that, I gave Scott the next four, basically, mm -hmm. close. And he was just on the outside using a jab. But it was one of those fights where... Although Scott was taking around, you could see Del Boy was doing a lot of good work, landing to the body, mm -hmm. and he was tiring him out. And you could see that while Scott had taken a lead on the cards, mm -hmm. Del Boy, he was very much in the fight. And you could see the amount of pressure, the work he was doing was solid. He landed some great shots to the body. And for my money, it hurt Scott on a couple of occasions. And you could see how the momentum shifted. And it, round six was a crucial round where this controversial late round knockdown happens. Mm -hmm. And for my money, at that point, that really swung the swung the fight. And basically, um, if if you haven't seen it, what happened was Del Boy lands a kind of a looping over the hand right. Doesn't really but, land that much. No, though. but I'm going to get into this in a little bit about mm -hmm. a rumor I heard um, later on. Yeah, I'll, but I just will quickly talk about this. So looping over hand right, Scott goes down. Right, the referee ushers ushers Del Boy off into a corner. And, he, and then he cut, starts to count, and he's counting up, and Scott doesn't look too hurt. He's on a knee, he's mm -hmm. looking right at the referee, so he's on his knees. It's not like he's sprawled out on his back, there's no way. He's, yeah. The referee's clearly counting in his face, holding up the fingers. He reaches nine on mm -hmm. the hands, 
and Scott stands up quite quickly. Yeah. And the referee just waves it off. Now I know your opinion on it. Is I'm kind of I'm kind of divided. I'm in the middle. Now he basically, as Scott rises, the referee just waves it off. He 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 hasn't given a ten count officially. It's nine. He shows the nine and then he waves the hands off. Mm -hmm. Now I know your view and I. I'm, I definitely see it. I'll put it this way. So, so that referee starts catting up. You know, like in... It depends on where you pick the referee from. But for like an American referee, normally what they do is you get an A count. They count to eight and go, mate, you're right. Unless you're a guy in Monte Carlo. And yeah. Go, and they, don't worry about it, bro. Come they on. help you up. <laughs> but they basically count to eight and then you ask him if he's okay and they go, okay, continue on. This referee looked at him and went, eight, nine. And then... He doesn't, the referee doesn't have to say 10, that's the 10 count, it's over. But the point I'd make, and this is why it wasn't the greatest bit of refereeing, obviously, but if you're a man of Scott, you don't have to take that, you, do you know what I mean? No, you don't have exactly, to take the second. Exactly. You know there's a chance you can get counted out, so just get up at 8 and listen, be ready to go. It's, listen, that's absolutely listen, his I own kind of, I kind of think it's, it's basically Malik Scott, naive. It, kind of, it shows how inexperienced he is in the sense of, while he's got that record... He hasn't had the experience of top thing. He's never been outside of the US. He should have known better. He's flying over to somebody else's back garden. Yeah. You've got to be a bit more smart. You don't give that opportunity. Don't yeah. let anything... Stand up. The ref's going to give you a standing eight count. Even still, it was right at the end of the fucking round for a start. Mm. You stand up. You've only got to survive another fucking six or yeah. five or six seconds, you know. You stand up. What he did was... I think it was harsh... I'm going to make that clear now. I think the referee was was harsh and he did it because, I don't know, it felt a little bit dodgy to me, but at the same time, you're kind of left with a feeling, Malik Scott, what are you doing? Yeah, You've only really completely. got yourself to blame for that. The other things I want to say, going back to the punch and the actual landing down. Now, I, I heard, let's, let me get to my notes here. Malik Scott was... Um, been training with Tyson Fury and apparently oh, really? Peter Fury there was yeah I heard a story that Peter Fury had said that Scott had been hurt behind his left ear mm. and he'd been complaining of problems with his eardrum and blah 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 and you know that's another thing did maybe the knockdown maybe it looked like a bit of a flash knockdown yeah. was he maybe a bit like did he was he actually more hurt than he looked? Was he maybe a bit discombobulated shall we say? Nice. Um, Here, well, we'll, um, we'll go on to the next one so, um, are you look... sure about that? Because I've still got about another, uh, <laughs> I've still got another good few paragraphs That's here about five the... pages of notes. Mate, it's not often Del Boy fights, mate. He got. Do you know how long he got banned hey, for that hey, incident okay. with David Hay? He this... was out of the ring for a full year. <laughs> this is my favourite bit of it. So, um, it's after uh, Del Boy wins, and uh, <laughs> who came on Twitter and started calling me? Oh, it's got to be Tyson Fury. Nah, who would you like? Who would? The... Oh, the... I know. I do know. Uh, it's uh, the Irish guy, Martin Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Rogan, the ex-taxi driver. Taxi driver. He must still be a taxi driver. 40, 42, is he? Is he Not that. Who is the greatest British boxer in the last 10 years and just doesn't get the credit? Audley Harrison. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That's, I've got a bit in here about Audley Big Harrison. Big Ord has come on Twitter and said, this is... congratulations to Del Boy, let's get it on. I'm glad, I'm glad you've mentioned this because, listen, apparently, according to Frank Warren, Chisora's victory was all down to the fact that he stopped eating packets of biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> now, he didn't specify what biscuits, but apparently Del Boy 
right? He'd been in the habit of after training, he'd get in his car and he'd eat up to three packets of biscuits <laughs> on his way home, right? Now, I'm maybe exaggerating the old three packets of biscuits, but it's definitely between half a packet and three and a half <laughs> packets. <laughs> right, but also, it led me on to think this, Del Boy's next fight, right? People might throw out David Price, blah, blah, blah. I don't mm. think that's no longer an option. Wilder, nah, I... I no, think I think that? I think Scott's better. What I'm saying is, right, you get Del Boy back on the biscuit diet, get him ballooning up to bigger than he's been, <laughs> like 280, 290 pounds, get him in that ring with A-Force Harrison, let's fucking get it on. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a fight. Oh, and, oh there's, there is generally not a fight out there. I'd want to see more <laughs> than an overweight Chisora. A really overweight. I'm not talking about overweight when he fought Tyson Fury because that kind of Chisora is going to blow Audley out of the water. <laughs> I'm talking about We're talking Damon Wayans in The Great Fight Hope. Yeah. <laughs> talking that as, a, as a reference for it. But, um, right, let's move on to the next one because we covered that for ages. All right. But uh, I'll cover a couple of these um, quickly. So um, this was on Saturday, the 13th of July. There was uh, Tommy Coyle versus Derry Matthews. And um, in a real surprise ending, lightweight uh, Derry Matthews, whose record was like 33 and uh, eight losses, basically pulled up. He'd been losing the entire fight. Maybe he'd lost every single round. Comes up to round 10 and look this up on YouTube because he delivers an absolute peach <laughs> of a left hook. And just Tommy Coyle did not see that coming. I don't think I've seen a left hook that good since Joe Frazier. Well, he is king of the left hooks, isn't he? Round 14 against a young Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Boss him up. Man. Fight the century and put him down. But that, yeah, that one was fantastic. So um, the last one for the um, reviews. So uh, again, this is on the 20th of July. Middleweight division. And this time it was Gary O'Sullivan coming up against Billy Joe Saunders. So uh, Billy Joe Saunders is undefeated. He's got a record of 18-0 with like 10 knockouts. Again, coming up against another undefeated Irishman this time in uh, Gary O'Sullivan. He'd say he's Irish. Oh, sorry, what's the undefeated? Maybe 16-1. If Roy Keane met him, he'd say, stick in your bollocks, you're not even Irish. <laughs> I don't think he's born in Ireland. But, um, he lives in Cork. For this one, Billy Joe Saunders got a 12-round unanimous decision. For the uh, to capture the vacant WBO, I just like one of those nonsense titles. But it won it by a landslide. But it was, it was it was considered to be a close, tough fight for him. But it was just oh. so one-sided. Oh yeah, the before, actual, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. before the fight, there were two. It was like a lot of people said Billy Joe Saunders. This is. Yeah, it's a big risky fight. Yeah. yeah, really. A lot of people... But Billy Joe Saunders looks... He looks oh. so good. He's one of my... If I had to rank any of the up-and-coming... Uh, Frampton. Fighters. Yeah, but that's more, he's more settled now and like yeah, a real yeah. contender. But uh, Billy Joe Saunders looks fantastic. Such good movement. He's got great combinations. Look in great shape. But um, what was I going to say? One of the interesting things about it was Pascal Collins, who's Steve Collins's. Uh, brother or cousin or whatever he is anyway he's the trainer for Gary O'Sullivan and what he said after like round six is mate you, you're doing this wrong you need to go out there you have to put pressure on because Billy J. Saunders threw so many more punches and Gary Sullivan was just yeah, yeah, late getting off yeah and uh, from round like eight onwards he kept saying to him mate this is you, you, you understand you're losing this fight you're not coming back into this was, you're not getting yeah. close I've never seen a trainer be but more he was, off. I've never seen a trainer be more off. Yeah, he was really, it was good, great from the trainer point of view, but he was trying. He was just. He was oh, just, he was trying, he but was, definitely getting off late. But in any case, Billy yeah, Joe Saunders is a real prospect just, for the future, looked yeah, real good. He looked but um, anyway, that'll wrap it up for the uh, 
reviews because no one's ever had a 20 minute discussion about yeah. Del Witch's horror Look, before. mate, it was my birthday. It's one of my favourite players. <laughs> I've had a few beers, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Will you stop going on about it, yeah? But, uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up for the reviews. Yeah. Ding, a- ding. Amen. <laughs> okay, well, listen, this is, we're doing segment of the show. Didn't used to be a boxer. Yep. Unfortunately, we... Um, we had a couple of we had a couple of uh, letters in asking Roberto some questions, mm-hmm. but um, just haven't heard anything back. Not this week. He's if, a busy if, man. If you're out there, Roberto, I hope you're right, mate. Hope you're. Uh, I'm going in a bit of bother or something. Not any massive. Not not with a Panamanian president. I hope you're not <laughs> locked up again. Well, no, that's happened to you before. <laughs> but um, um, it's a weekly feature of the show where we look back and describe the life of like a a boxer, ex boxer. And... But you're in for a treat this week because not only is it not Garrett <laughs> this week, um, it's also not an American, which is quite rare. Nice. So for the last couple of weeks, it's uh, I've been doing. Uh, going out and doing these but this time Richard said I've said look listen I, I know someone I fancy for this I've gone south of the border nice I'm talking about Jorge Paez the legend that is Paez <laughs> <laughs> what more can you say okay I'm going to give you a rundown of this man he was a Mexican boxer he fought at kind of featherweight and lightweight levels his career spanned from about 1984 mm-hmm. to about 2003 oh wow okay so Jorge, he was born in 1965 in a city called Mexicali, which is, uh, I think I'm saying that right, Mexicali, right? Is that Mexico, mate? I, it might be Mexico. Oh, I think they spell things a bit. <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> right, uh, Mexicali, which is right on the border between Mexico and the US. Um, basically, Paez, right, he was brought up and raised in his grandmother's circus. So you're, <laughs> so you're already getting a taste, but this is this is one of, shall we say, the more flamboyant characters who have graced the wonderful sport I was, of boxing. I was genuinely not expecting that. <laughs> right. Okay. And this is where he quickly learned that as a child performer, paying customers were the most important thing, and that they should be given a good show for their money. Right. <laughs> nice. A philosophy which he clearly brought through into his boxing career. Okay. He was. He quickly became a huge hit for his uh, entertaining ring entrances and his backward flips after each win he'd done. Oh, um, and that's Prince Nazim type of talent. Oh, listen, mate, he's the template for Prince Nazim <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, listen, he's, if you go on YouTube and look him up, type in Jorge Paez, it's spelled J-O-R-G-E and Paez is P-A-E-Z, right? Um, you go on there and he's got some shall we say poor quality uh videos on the streamage but mm. they are entertaining some of the clips but anyway um you can see honestly it doesn't take much to much imagination to to realize he was obviously a huge influence on prince nasim i mean not a prince would admit it i mean he couldn't even admit that he stole a chris eubanks <laughs> flip into the ring so <laughs> you know he's hardly going to admit that he based himself on a mexican uh, featherweight boxer anyway um he was, he, was, he was renowned for a bit of clowning around, but don't let that fool you because um, he was no side act. He had great boxing skills. He began his uh, professional career in 1984, November the 16th, by knocking out uh, Efren Torrento in only three rounds. Within four years of turning pro, he had captured the IBF featherweight title after beating Calvin uh, Grove on points. Now, this fight would actually go down in history as the last ever 15-round professional fight, right? Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, 
and it um, and it had a dramatic ending, which highlighted the drama of those crucial like championship three rounds. championship rounds, which for my money is a little bit of a shame we don't have, but you can kind of understand why. That's what blah, Carl blah, blah, blah. says. Anyway, dramatic ending. Basically, Pais he was down on the scorecards by a little bit, quite a bit, going into the final fifteenth round, and then he fought back bravely to knock down Calvin Grove, not once. Not twice, but three times <laughs> in that final round. And he took it on the cards. So Grove, Grove survived, stayed on his feet, but uh, Payas came back. And what more could you ask for Love in a round? Like, brilliant. Um, so anyway, yeah. So he, after that fight, he went on, he defended his title nine times over two years. Nice. IBF title. That's no... no Mean feat. Exactly. Um, eventually losing to a fighter called Tony Lopez in Sacramento. Um, he later went on to win the WBO championship and then stepped up to the lightweight division where he faced such legends of the sport like Pernell Whitaker and Oscar De La Hoya. Wow. Okay, impressive. Now, he lost both the fights. He lost on points by Pern- uh, to Pernell Whitaker. To sweet But let's face it, there's no shame in that. <laughs> I, think, well. I mean, one of the greatest defensive geniuses as ever grace of sport Indeed. and he was knocked out sadly by Oscar but that was in the later part of his career um, both times there was um, or I think it, I think when he fought Oscar it was for the WBO lightweight title was on the line it was a vacant title but anyway so he clearly he reached that level fought the best um, overall he had 98 professional fights winning 79 of them drawing five and only losing 14 now I must add that those 14 losses came at the end of his career and a lot of them, uh, nearly all of them, were to top-level fighters who were either world champions or would later go on to be world champions. Okay, And he was not known for taking easy fights. He wasn't one of his people. He always wanted to fight the best, being a challenge. Of those 79 wins, 51 of them were KOs. At that kind of... At the, at the featherweight and lightweight, that's an impressive very, record, Very, very right? impressive. Um, and it should also be mentioned that he went on to fight the Mexican legend, Jose Luis Castillo... In 1999, and he also lost that fight, but it, was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was at the end of his career. And you know, as I say, Castillo is a legend. He is um, anyway, as I mentioned, he was famed for a lot of clowning around in the ring. Okay, and uh, and he was often he was prone to having a bit of a chat with the old crowd during the fights, <laughs> which is brilliant. And he was he would get in like you'd see clips of him. He'd get in clinches with boxers. And he'd start doing symbols behind their head and things. And just, but um, there were other things he'd do in the ring. But the difference with him was, you see someone like Prince Nassimi do a lot of goading. And you see fighters, they try and do bolo punches. They hold their hands up. Mm-hmm. A lot of his taunties, psychologically trying to get into the mindset of the opponents, trying yep. to frustrate them, psych them out. With this guy, you get a sense. This is where the circus background kicks in. <laughs> it's just, he loves entertaining. It's that whole thing of like, um, yeah, just Mexican. It's like when uh, when uh, Morales fought Pacquiao and he was winning on the cards and he'd won the fight and it was the, the final round, 12th round, he was like, I'm just, fuck it, let's just go toe-to-toe, banged his gloves, going with one of the hardest hitters in the division. And he's just like, I want to give the Mexican fans something to watch. The money's worth Jorge Paez... He just loved to entertain the crowd. He was, and part you could tell he's an eccentric individual, and mm-hmm. it's not like I'm trying to fucking psych you out. It's just like he's a bit of a nutter. <laughs> he just genuinely delights doing mental things. Um, I'll give you some examples. One of my favourite. You can look this up. One of his crazy ring entrances. Right, uh, he just got married, 
and his next professional fight after getting married, he wore his bride's wedding dress <laughs> right into the ring. And I'm talking about, you're not expecting this, the other guy comes into the ring, then it's his turn, comes in, all you see is just this white wedding dress, fucking <laughs> the veil, everything, and all you see coming into the ring are just two bright red boxing gloves <laughs> down by this wedding dress. And it's not like he's doing a, trying to do it comically, it's like in his mind, I'm just normal ring entrance, that usual bobbing and weaving, keeping loose, <laughs> shaking the arms out, <laughs> bit of shadow boxing, and you're just looking at the guy going, ah, oh, you are, you are a funny motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, let me go on here. Some of the other kind of things he does, he was known for having ridiculous hairstyles, like, and, and making his corner dress up. Like, he had this, uh, I think you it was a trainer. So you never see that no, in you don't get it, especially, he had this one hairstyle, like, it looked like, he looked like a kind of thing that uh, a pisshead who'd come back from the pub on a like a boxing game and he thought, I'm going to create a boxer here. <laughs> right, uh, what should I give him? Um, yeah, I'm going to give him a, like, a rainbow-coloured shorts. I'm going to give him tassels on it. I'll give him a moustache and like, a Mohican with polka dots on his head. That's the sort of thing. He'd come in and he'd make his corner with his best thing. Like, I, must, I think it was his trainer. Must have been like 60, 65, 69 years old. Shaved his head off. Made him uh, have a mullet. And then, and then he got like a... Velcro-type black polka dots and stuck it on top of his head. <laughs> so it was the same hairstyle as him. And he had his whole entourage, his old trainers, all dressed up just like him. So, yeah, just a nutter. But um, he also admitted that he felt he never really left the circus. And while he was a professional... <laughs> Listen, while he was a professional boxer... I often, I often feel I've never left the circus. <laughs> Mate... I've generally never heard that. Listen, <laughs> Anyone ever say that before? And he often, even while he was a professional boxer, he went back to perform in his grandmother's circus and went back to perform in a circus while, like, in between his boxing career and things, and would just go in. And that's the kind of character you're dealing with. There's no money involved in that. He just loved the performance. That he is, loved it. So that's he, he was a proper eccentric, nutty character, but brilliant. A real fan favourite. But listen, don't let all this clowning around fool you because, like... This guy, he was a real tough warrior. He embodied many of the attributes of like your your typical Mexican fighter. He had amazing heart, solid chin. He was only ever, I think, he was only ever knocked out by like uh, De La Hoya and a couple other people like really late in his career when he was yeah. like thirty eight. So I right, knocked out by De La Hoya, one of the fucking high, and that was when De La Hoya was down at the lightweight and had that serious power. Mm. So um, yeah. Proper, proper warrior, brilliant. He was elusive but aggressive at the same time. He'd always be coming forward, engaging. Like a Prince Nassim, hands down at his sides, would be flowing in, but proper going for it, great power. Um, he had his fair share of nasty cuts and he was involved in plenty of wars, never backed down. He was one of these people, you know, you could tell, really just, just loved the sport. Um, unorthodox style, throwing punches from all angles, you know, going on you can you can see the influence he's had over mm -hmm. a lot of boxers also that Jorge Arce you know a brilliant great box really entertaining good. you can see in the ways that ring entrances and that that kind of entertainment that showmanship that really comes through and it doesn't take much of the imagination to imagine that Jorge uh, Paez was a huge influence on Arce um and I want to quickly mention, I've noticed, I've seen a few, quite a few of his fights, and there's this, you see it every now and again, he had a bit of a trademark punch, which is rare, it's tough to get, like, be renowned in the sport as having a trademark punch. What, what involved was, he'd back his opponent, like, he was a proper, like, 
like pressure and would would mm. wear down an opponent, get him back. He'd back him into a corner on the ropes or something, and then really going on in the inside. And then when it got tight, he'd hold up his uh, left arm, hold it up against the guy's sort of chin or head, get it at that funny angle, a bit like uh, Tyson Fury <laughs> did against Steve Cunningham, or a bit like a kind of a, a miniature version of a nineteen seventies Joe Frazier, uh, George Foreman rather. Or oh. Get it, hold the head up there and just crack with a sweeping <laughs> overhand right hook. And the best thing is about it, out of like times I've seen him do it, nearly every time the ref steps in, either warns him or deducts a point, never disheartened him. <laughs> <laughs> like a, much, much like a Felix Trinidad with his low blows and just getting, nah, it's right, yeah, I'll just wait till you deduct a point and then, then I'll maybe stop doing it. But until then, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but the other thing I want to quickly mention is there's a, uh, there's, a, there's a brilliant... I read this article about when he was in a really tight, close fight with a tough opponent, right? It was a proper war, savage, going at it. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of a fight, the two got in a clinch, right? Jorge, he grabs hold of the other guy, right? And he just grabs hold of his hand, and, right? And he starts waltzing around the ring with him. <laughs> Just starts dancing. Now, I couldn't find a clip of this, but reading this article, just starts waltzing around, and the other guy's just standing there, like, going, I've got no idea what's going on. The ref's sort of standing there in between them, going, Mate, what were you doing? <laughs> and I just think it's like, I don't know where it's not, it's not like early on, it's not a pre calculative. You see almost this switch in his mentality. He's involved in this proper war, and he's in this mind frame. And it's suddenly like almost part of him, something in his head goes, I need a bit of a release from this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to give something to the fans, I'm just going to do something mental. But imagine that as an opponent, how are you, how are you meant to react mentally <laughs> when you're in this proper war with a guy who's known as a, a, a warrior and suddenly he starts trying to dance around the ring with you? That's going to throw you right off, right off kilter. But, um, you know, I mean, I know how Floyd would react to that. He'd probably just smash him right Exactly, Victor Ortiz. Hands keep keep yourself protected at all times. All but listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and speed this up. But anyway, there's a brief bit I mentioned that eventually when he retired, um he discovered in two thousand and three that uh he had brain swelling, like suffered from this brain swelling, really <laughs> serious, could potentially kill him. So he had to cancel a fight last minute. Despite that, you'd think that'd be enough, right? Mm. That's the end of his career. Nah, after about six months he decided no, I reckon I'll chance another fight. I'm going to ignore that. Got back into the ring with another fight, a guy called Scott McCracken, and he won a 10-round split decision. Brave or stupid, you know? You could argue a little bit of both, perhaps, but anyway, it really highlights that not only was this guy, you know, an entertainer, and because I know a lot of people might be hearing this and they think, all this dancing around, all this messing about in the ring, it's kind of, it's disrespectful to your opponent. It's, you don't need it in a sport, but... I think with this guy, you've just got to love the guy. You've got to look. It's genuinely a personal thing. He's not doing it because he's trying to act a certain way. It's just him, and it's how he deals with it. And it's a bit of a one-off. And you've seen other people try and copy him, but this guy, check out some highlights. <laughs> Brilliant. He even went on, right? He even went on starring a couple of low-budget movies. I didn't bother catching the names. They they might be real low-budget. But he also went into the WWE and he played a supporting role with uh, Rey Mysterio. Yeah, so that just shows you the Mexican people. Rey Mysterio absolutely loved him, got involved in that. Um, So, yeah, that's it. You know, it's maybe not... You're not going to want every boxer in the sport to act like this guy, but as a one-off, unique, a guy who brought in colour, entertainment to the sport, you just got to love the guy. A legend. 
a legend. Lovely. That was fantastic. <laughs> All right. Brilliant. Let's uh, wrap that up. Right, so we're into the uh, last part of the show, and we'll run through like a couple of the previews of the upcoming fights over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So uh, the big one, uh, for my money, this may well be one of the fights of the year. So it's uh, on the Saturday, the 27th of July, Andre Berto versus Jesus Sote Caras, fighting in welterweight division, fighting in uh, San Antonio. For the uh, So Berto himself is the uh, former IBF WBC uh, welterweight champion. He's and, a very uh, exciting fighter. Oh yeah, he's going to be coming up against the real tough Jesus Sote Caras. Jesus he's, or Jesus? Jesus. He, he, uh, Caras doesn't have the greatest record. It's like 28, uh, 7 wins and um, 8 losses with the uh, 3 draws. But um, anyway, fighting in San Antonio, and Caras is like the bigger, stronger he's maybe like a shittier version of um, Roberto the Ghost Guerrero. Yeah. But um, at this time, coming up against the 29-year-old Berto, and this might well be one of the, for my money, the fight. The reason it's going to be one of the fights of the, re- fights of the year, they're incredibly close in terms of their talent, but Carras is, he doesn't have the boxing ability of Roberto. He loves a rock. But he is tough. Yeah. Real tough. <laughs> if you want to watch just something amazing, type in Carras versus uh, Madonna. They fought maybe like a year ago. I've never seen I haven't it. seen that. Oh, it's so good. It's one of those oh. real... You know, Madonna's as tough as he is. Yeah, yeah. Lands, hammering blows, the, and Carras just comes back. Tell you what, the Berto, the uh, Ortiz there. Oh. <laughs> couple of There's another fights. fight of the year. Fantastic. But that one um, should be um, amazing. Um, so to, to, to get you guys in the mood, check out those two fights. And yeah, absolutely. That'll set it up. Real good. Uh, what else is coming up? So um, on the same night, so Saturday the 27th of um, July... Uh, this one, welterweight division, Diego Chavez versus Keith Thurman. And um, this, again, for the undefeated welterweight Keith Thurman, he's, at the moment his record is 20 wins, 18 KOs. I, I never heard of him, mate. Oh, he is. He's ranked high in the welterweight division. This would be the type of guy when we talk about uh, Kel Brook and right. why Kel Brook gets rated Where's so high. Where's he from? Uh, Thurman's American. And... Um, I think Chavez, by the sounds, I think he's um, Mexican. Mexican but um, for this one, this is a Thurman's basically. Like, he, Thurman's only like 24. This is his big chance to show he belongs in the top of the welterweight division. Yeah. And he loves throwing real big punches. So is this, this uh, Chavez, is he a credible opponent? What's his record like? 22 and 0. 18 knockouts. Okay, so they're both undefeated fights. Both undefeated. Sorry. And um, this would be, mm. can uh, Thurman step up and really like take it uh, on? And can he get to that really... Highest point. He is level. aggressive like you would not believe. Oh. <laughs> he looks like the type of guy who just came out of... I'd say just came out of prison. <laughs> but prison by way of sounds, lifting weights in a song. Sounds like he was built for an American audience, that guy. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> should be... Uh, again, two okay, of the big fights. Well, that's a great one to look out for. Absolutely. Uh, what else is coming up? These are... We, because we mentioned them in the, uh, earlier on the show. Uh, Juan Francesco Estrada... This in the flyweight division versus Milan Melindo. And Milan Melindo is the fail with the uh, who, low blows. Who has low blow power like you would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a uh, flyweight division. So for Estrada's WBA and WBO titles. And uh, Estrada's record is like 24 wins, 18 knockouts, just a couple of losses. And um, again, it should be real close because Melindo, for his part, 29 wins and no losses. Because my favourite thing about him, his nickname, so Melindo, he's... <laughs> His uh, nickname is Melino. Melino. He's named after Typhoon Melino, the deadly storm that had killed over 250 people there in the go. Philippines and <laughs> Vietnam. There you go. Decided to name himself after. Many, after 
natural disaster yeah. which took thousands of innocent lives. Hundreds of lives at least, but uh, yeah. That's just something about his character. But uh, anyway, the last two I'll come into is um, heavyweight division this time. So uh, Orlando, sorry, Orlando, Odlanier Solis, who oh, a yeah, couple yeah, of years yeah, ago yeah, fought him. He lost down, to Klitschko, didn't he? He did indeed. And for anyone who, anyway, he's coming up a game called Jakub Sacklet. Is that his only loss? Has he only got one loss at? I uh, no, what's his record? It's, Solis. Oh, no, no, he's, he's does. Cuban. He, yeah, he Cuban, is. Cuban, yeah. So, uh, uh, Solis' record is, uh, probably 18 wins, just the one loss to the Klitschko. He's, uh, like, an a Cuban amateur standout. So, so he's going to have slick boxing skills. Oh, yeah. He won the gold medal in Athens in 2004. He's a three-time winner of the uh, World Amateur Boxing Championship. His boxing skill is unreal. The reason he's not the world's greatest boxer is because once he defected from Cuba... He landed in Miami. Got and on just, the burgers and that sweet Miami ass. That's it. <laughs> he went knee deep in sweet Miami poontang. Well, and you know, let's face it. his way to about three stone heavier than he should we have been. We talked about this. We were talking about uh, Rigondo, if he was going to go down that line. Yeah. He seems to have held it together. He has indeed. Uh, Solid. So he's uh, coming up against, uh, again, Jakob. Is that, like, is that the name of the, uh, the yogurt-flavoured drink that, um, <laughs> that makes people... Uh, if you've Yakov. got digestive problems, bring no, up Yakov. it's spelled differently, but that Same is thing. pronounced Yakov. But Yakov. again, Yakov. Uh, Saglum's record is uh, fine, so like 29 wins, 26 KOs, a heavy hitter, only a couple of losses, German heavyweight, but not fighting the best, can best. If pick. you've had a few too many San Miguel's and you're feeling a bit rough the next day, <laughs> I advise going a bit of Yakov. <laughs> the next day to settle the stomach but uh, that one should be uh, interesting just because uh, you never know what condition Solis has turned up in and the last one is only over 10 rounds 3rd of August Thomas Adamek who I love, I love. he's ranked the number 5 heavyweight and he's coming up uh, just a completely unknown Tony Grano he's not really heavyweight for me he's, a, he's an exceptional cruiserweight but Adamek he's only ever he's got, his record is he's so good it's 48 and uh, 2 losses so, for anyone who doesn't know, I suppose, he's the uh, Polish heavyweight fighter, former WBC light heavyweight champion, former IBF, IBO, Ring Magazine cruiserweight champion. And uh, his only two losses are to Vitaly Klitschko, Chad Dawson, both uh, Chad Dawson at light heavyweight. And he's coming up against Tony TNT Grano, <laughs> who, uh, again... He's got some explosive power. He's, he's explosive power, but uh, his biggest claim to fame is that he's Italian-American and he's got that kind of New Jersey crowd behind him. Wow. But um, if you're a big fan of Thomas Adamek, as I am, just give it a watch. because he's just get on there. He, he, is, is, he is a great... He's yeah, fantastic. Proper, yeah. But uh, anyway... Great heart, great chin. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, that'll wrap it up for the uh, reviews for the next couple of weeks. All right. Okay, that just uh, leaves... That's the end of the show, yeah, guys. That's it, wrap it up. I, I hope you enjoyed it. Listen, contact details. If you want to get in touch, if you want to um, write something into Roberto Duran, oh, if yeah. you've got any problems, I mean, apparently he's a bit backed up. We've already got a few questions for him and he hasn't responded, but send them in, man. We'll send them on. You know, he likes to deal with things in bunches. <laughs> he likes the pressure. The man likes... Anyway, if you want to get in contact, we're at uh, www.facebook.com stroke group stroke punch drunk boxing. Basically, go to facebook and type in punch drunk boxing we got a group there send in any questions if you want to discuss anything on the show send it there we're also on twitter at punch drunk pod we're up on itunes which if you're listening to this you probably already know tell tell your mates you know i'll say for a hook for the next episode i'll talk through our my i should say challenges to try and get us more twitter followers oh yeah 
with Floyd Mayweather and his oh, yeah, he's lack sporting, of rotation. What you guys don't understand is Garrett has bought a Floyd Mayweather T-shirt here. It's got TMT on it. The money team. The money team. He's got a. It's a. It's a lovely. It's red. It's red T-shirt with white. The money team. He's a massive Floyd fan. Love him. But um, uh, we'll, I'll go into a bit more detail next week about our trials and tribulations with the world of uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, because uh, I'm. Close to getting really pissed off. <laughs> he, won't, he won't respond, will he's he? He's a son of a bitch. Mate, Twitter, he's probably got about 10 million nonsensical rubbish posts don't. on his thing every day. He doesn't have time to filter through your... I don't give a flying monkey to about any of that. let's get in contact with Carl Frotch. He's got, <laughs> he's got enough time to respond to us. We'll give him some DIY tips. <laughs> he does love we'll Tell him about how you... My dad used to be a builder, which is true. Mate, so. he'll love that. Love he'll that. Get around. You can have a. We'll have a time off. We'll have your dad against Carl <laughs> Frotch doing DIY, and that will time him. That would generally be the greatest television show. Yeah. Anyway, listen, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, that's all. Mm-hmm. Keep. Uh, yeah. Keep them up. Peace. Peace.